Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And we are in here again for another episode of Believe in Kentucky alongside Double Zero, the 96 MOP, Tony TD Delp. This is Vinny Hardy. What's good, TD? Man, this is another day, man, on, on the good side, as I would say. You know, I'm just happy to be here. I'm excited that we get a chance to talk a little football, a little basketball, you know. And even we can talk a little baseball, man. My, my Braves not doing too bad down here. We got a 2-0. 2-0 series lead, you know, but the series not over with. You still got to win three to get that series uh, to advance to the next round. But uh, exciting time. Like I said, we, we got sports back and um, seemed like it might be a, a pretty good uh, Thursday night game. Hoping it is. But uh, right now, we just sitting back, relaxing, man, and enjoying, uh, enjoying what's on TV now, which is some good football games. Every, yeah, everything is going on right now, and and for the record, our Braves they they locked it up today. They they swept them. It's three zero. It's over. Marlins. Oh, they went on and did their thing, man. Well, shoot, you know what? Hey, they was not playing around. Another shutout. So we wait, yeah. waiting to see who wins this Dodgers Padres with a trip to the World Series on the line. We in baseball's final four. These Braves are now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think it's, it's a young, exciting team, but you know, you can just tell. You know, they have great chemistry. And when you have great chemistry and you're clicking at the right time, I, I think people don't understand how important it is to have, you know, cohesiveness and guys that enjoy playing with each other, guys that enjoy going out, guys that enjoy having conversations with each other. And, and that's something that's special. I think that's one of the things, you know, not to leave uh, baseball and go to basketball, but I think that's what made has made LeBron such a, a, a great teammate. And – when you can share things and, and be around, you know, the guys that, that you go on a war with, it speaks volumes for who you are. You just don't want to be one of those players that considered to be a superstar. You stand out. Everybody knows who you are, and you're not really uh, trying to spend time, you know, with your comrades. So, you know, watching baseball and just seeing, like, how those guys have come together and, you know, like I said, doing this, doing this pandemic time, I mean, you know, it's just good to have guys back playing baseball, football, and basketball. So, like I said, it's, it's an exciting time of year for for all fans. And, you know, and, and we're going to get to the U.K. guys in the finals and all that and, and you know, the shade for my Cowboys and all that. <laughs> I would have to say that nobody in Atlanta is happier that the Braves are having this success than the <laughs> Falcons because it takes it away from what they've been doing. Oh man, uh, uh, Matt Ryan and Matt Ryan and Julio Jones uh, and then the Falcons. I mean, they have been probably next to your team, <laughs> 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 which, which which they allowed to come back and, and, and win the game. I mean, they have been awful. I mean, I, I hated it for Quinn because you know a, a coach has really been fighting for his job. You know, the last couple of years and uh, you know and and really to come back in this in this times. I mean, I think it's been really difficult. Because you know we we've seen a lot of a lot of major big time injuries around the league and, and you know you I, I don't think people really understand how important like a training camp is you know just to get your body back in shape and get just get acclimated back to 
playing competitive football. And um, when you don't have, like, you know, some of your better players, and some of these guys, like you said, on, on, on a lot of these teams decide not to go uh, to come back and, you know, you know and, and basically have a season this year. So it speaks volume for the guys that were committed and uh, want to come back and, you know, and, and perform at the highest level. But, you know, when, you, when you're like one of those really good teams and I, I think when you're playing football, baseball, basketball is that you can't lose a turnover game. And that's where your defense has to really, really work extremely hard. And I think with, with the Falcons, you know, they're giving up so many points. I mean, and, and, and you got to have, you got to have a lot of uh, offensive firepower. When you don't have that, you're not playing good defense. You're not going to win many games. That's for sure. You talked about how important a training camp is, how you're, you're, you got to get your body ready for the season. Your body kind of has its own clock and its own rhythms. And the same thing for us, you know, we, we're talking about timepieces and, and clocks and rhythms, and you rep a great brand of timepieces with our buddies at La Tarain Watches. Dave and Ben are a pleasure to work with, and they got some, some cool stuff in the works. In addition, right. you've already been repping, Tony, for La Tarain. Hey, man, that, that might have been the smoothest transition ever into a watch brand that, I, that I've ever heard man hey, hey, hey. you like you like jason kid with them assists man yeah lots lots of rain is doing wonderful things out there with their time pieces and uh i have one and i'm working on giving me another one um you know working on i i've been telling dave i gotta i gotta contact him and tell him gotta work on a blue time piece that's what i'm looking forward to and try to pass it on to some of my uh some of my basketball coaches but you know like i told you before in our last one of our last podcasts is that the first thing you know, uh, women notice, you know, you're married, I'm almost married, is that they understand the importance of having a nice timepiece, a nice timepiece and good shoes. But the first thing they're going to look at is like, hey, what kind of watch is this dude wearing? And when you have the lots of rain, like it said, you know, it is a noticeable timepiece. So we appreciate what Dave and lots of rain company has been doing with us, uh, supporting our podcast. Yeah, and Dave did. He sent me a message on Twitter, and he said they they were working on those blue bands. They they heard you loud and clear. So y'all <laughs> on social media, y'all y'all Twitter people at l a t o u r a i n e on Twitter. Lots of rain on Twitter. Lots of rain dot com on Instagram is l a dash touring dash watches. I'm sorry, underscore on each of those, not dashes. Facebook, Lotarain Watches, and an email of sales at lotarain.com. If you have questions or comments or concerns or you want to ask about something before you make that purchase, but tell them you heard about these great time pieces on the Believing Kentucky podcast with Tony Delk and Vinnie Hardy. Yes, sir. Let's make it happen. Hey, hey get on board, y'all. If y'all looking for a, a nice time piece, but not only for yourself, you know, it would be a great Christmas gift. You know, Christmas is right around the corner. So for those uh, young ladies that are trying to buy their, their husband, their boyfriend, significant other, if you're looking for a great timepiece, you know, look up Lots of Rain. They will take care of you. Absolutely. And of course, we're coming to you courtesy of the Believe Podcast Network. Go to Believe.com to check out the podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars. Some of y'all been putting uh, five-star ratings and giving us good comments. We appreciate that. And also go to aseablue.com. Jason Markham and the fellas post every episode of this podcast on their site. And they also got, in addition to great UK coverage at Blue, they got that Kentucky Dad podcast 
you were a guest on there at Big Blue uh, Drew, and a lot of media guys with ties to Kentucky have been on there. Not talk about sports, but just talk about their lives and as dads and what they do as dads. And, you know, you talked about your three daughters. My buddy Terry Brown, who I coach Cats Talk Wednesday with, was a guest on the Kentucky Dad Pod. He's got two daughters. He talked about the dad life. So in addition to the sports, they got some good dad stuff, and you get to hear a different side of these media guys and sports guys like yourself on the Sea of Blue. Yeah, it's always – I think it's so important, man. It's, it's just like you said, all of us communicate with one another. And, you know, like I said, being being a family man is, you know, we have to, you know, be mentors to, to the kids that we have in our lives, you know. And if, for me, it's just – it goes uh, it goes beyond my kids to also teaching girls and boys, like, you know, the fundamentals of basketball and teaching them about structure and, uh, you know, just making sure the discipline staying focused. I think so many – so many times kids with so many distractions, uh, a lot more distractions than we had, of course, but, um, you know, staying focused on the, on, on the big prize and also, you know, believing in yourself and the confidence comes from is, is practice. You know, you have to practice like it's the game. And if kids can kind of understand the importance of, uh, you know, being a, a really good practice player, especially at an early age, they will appreciate the game more. So, you know, it's, it's, Great to be, you know, a, a dad and, and teaching my daughters a lot about life. I know you're teaching your sons the same thing. So we just got to keep uh, keep plugging along, man. Keep this thing rolling. That's for sure. That's for sure. Now, we, we definitely get into the finals in NFL and MLB, but we might as well get get the, the heart-wrenching gut punch out of the way, and that's that UK Ole Miss game from this Saturday. Man. Jordan came on and was talking that talk from, you know, she did. And, 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 you know, she ended up being the victor 42, 41. And, 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 you know, she was tweeting at me. She sent me some tweets <laughs> when, when Ole Miss got the 35. Oh, Benny Hardy said Kentucky hadn't gave up 35, 30 plus points. In a year. <laughs> I was getting, <laughs> she was hey, hey, man. <laughs> hey, you jinx the cats, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm going to tell you, the last, okay, okay, so sometimes, you know, you can kind of jump the gun. So when I saw the score 28-14, I'm not going to even lie to you, you know, I, I was like, man, we might need to get in contact with Jordan, let us know how we how, how we handle our business, you know what I'm saying? So I was all excited, and when I turned back over there, I was like, hold on, man, did this just happen? It was almost like the Cowboys <laughs> defeating the Falcons. <laughs> It really was. I was thinking like, hold on, man. How? First of all, I'm I'm B. I'm listening to you, man. You say, hey, Kentucky don't give up that many points. I'm like, all right, good. We got 28 on the board. Only thing we gotta do is keep playing the defense that D Hardy said we that we are capable of playing. Hey, come on, man. What happened, man? Come on. Hey, hey, hey now you're making us look bad to Jordan. I know it. I know. I don't. I don't embarrass everybody. I'm, you know, oh, uh, they they erased that deficit quick. I mean, boom, boom, boom. It was they scored twenty one straight. It was thirty five twenty eight. Quick. Oh, yeah. yeah. Look, we had, uh, and you know, we hate to throw people under the bus. AJ Rose is a senior. <laughs> he was on his way to a touchdown and started celebrating and got re- caught at the five yard line, and they fumbled on the next play, and that was seven points mm. they should have had. You have four points missed in the kicking game. Had a missed field goal and a missed extra. Right. Point. And when when you miss the extra point in overtime, you know they're gonna score and kick it. In oh yeah. 
Oh man. So yeah, that's the point so that should have been on the board. You know, I know shoulda coulda woulda, but you just gotta you gotta learn and, and move on. And it's not gonna get any easier this week, Tony, because Mississippi State, you know, we we still doing that tour of Mississippi. They come I know. And Mike Leach was there when you were there. He was there with Tim Couch in the air raid and, and throwing the ball all over the yard. They already beat LSU in week one where the kid threw for 600 yards, their quarterback. So, was that Costello, man, KJ? Yeah, yeah. And he had that long Byron left, which wind up and was still just throwing and carving up LSU. Yeah, that was a uh, – what, an SEC record was 623 yards and uh, with five touchdowns, man, he had – you know what? That that might have been his coming out party. You know, and when you when you can think about, you know, someone putting up 600 yards against a national, the the, the returning national champion. I mean, that speaks remarkable on him as a quarterback, and probably has made him like you know, I'm not saying a top two uh, quarterback prospect, but you know, you have to take a look at him. You know, because when you got somebody throw that many yards against a a solid Defensive mind, the LSU coach, old team, uh, that very seldom happens, you know. But once again, if, if our defense is not clicking, uh, it's going to be a clinic. Because you're right, he's, he will definitely put up four or 500 yards. Because you know what? thing is, he's not shy about throwing that ball. He's going to let that thing go. Yeah. And LSU was the first defending champ to lose their opening game the next year since Michigan in 1998. So it hadn't happened, wow. it hadn't happened in a minute. But um, now the following week, they lost to Arkansas, who has been one of the worst teams in the league. So, I mean, I don't know if they just played down to the competition or they were still reading their press clippings. from. <laughs> but you know Coach Lee's going to have him ready to come, you know, back to Lexington, where I don't think he's been back since he left in the late 90s when he was in the Oh, school. really? So, you know, he want to come in and, and show out again. Yeah, so really – Really, I think, like you said, you want to come back and, you know, I think coming back here and, you know, just knowing what you got to do and knowing Kentucky's 0-2, like you can't take your foot off the gas. Like you – I think they went to, to Arkansas and was basically, you know, hey, we came off this big victory against LSU. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you can be feeling yourself and and you can be humble. You know, it's almost like the pre um, premature celebration. You can't do that. You know, you can't do that when there's still time left on the clock, you know, especially when you still have quarters left. So you have to respect the other team. And I think what's most important about Kentucky is that, you know, they got to be a better second half team. If you're going to be a contender or at least, have, you know, try to have a five on your record, you know, you definitely got to take care of your home field. That's it. That's it. Man, these, these finals, three to one LA, um, you know, Jimmy Butler willed his team to a win. They lost by six the other night. Are we talking about the end of the NBA season tomorrow night? Yeah, I was, I was just telling someone, I said, they probably going to have to have uh, D. Wade and, uh, and Shaq show up, you know, in order to get this victory tomorrow night. And uh, I don't think either one of those guys are in shape. I know Shaq is definitely not in shape right now. D. Wade could be. Uh, but, you know, Jimmy Butler has done a lot of things switching – AD on him putting the length and athleticism, you know, caused a lot of problems for him. And, and I think that was a great adjustment. And especially when you have a guy that can get locked in like AD, um, you know, on, on a defender, you know, on an offensive player like Jimmy Butler, you know, as great a score as he is, you know, he, he was a defensive specialist and has been a defensive specialist, probably should have won defensive player of the year. But, you know, when you can get locked in and stay, you know, uh, 
you know, stay in your stance, be ready to – when a guy drives to the basket, he does a great job of challenging shots without fouling. I think that's the one thing I will say that has separated him from so many other players is that his shot block ability to not foul. Like, that's what's important. So, um, you know, 3-1, you have you have uh, Jimmy Butler. Uh, he's going to need some help. And right now, I don't think, uh, you know, those, those guys other than you know, Tyler Hero, the only one that's been, you know, probably out there balling. You know, Dragas being missed. And I, I think Bam played well just coming back you know, from his little uh, – from being from being hurt. But I just think they don't have enough firepower. And then you got one game. you telling me that dude LeBron, we know how great a player he is. One game to win his fourth championship. You think he coming out the ball and then they got the Mamba uniforms they're going to be playing in? It's going to be, uh, you know, like I said, if, if they don't if they don't hit the Lakers early, I can see it being a 10-point – 10 10 or more point loss for uh, for the Miami Heat. I was listening to uh, Mike Pratt was on Tom Leach's show, and he was just raving about how AD has been able to do what he's done in LA, and he's not ball dominant. He's not even right. a guy, and it's just crazy. He said he's taking it to the max to to be that efficient and be that effective, while LeBron is still the guy that's dominated basketball. Well, think about this too. You know, here's my question to you. How good would that team be if LeBron wasn't on it? And what would be your answer to that? Mm. Yeah, I mean, what is – and you would probably know and probably can read the vibe. Would Kuzma be able to relax more? Is he tight playing with LeBron? Is he just in over his head? Or would he, would he chill out and kind of be able to be more what everybody thought he would be if there was no LeBron there? Uh, you still have you still got Rondo, you still got uh, Caruso. Come on, man. <laughs> when you when you get out we were talking about when we get to Caruso, Rondo was not the Rondo that was in Boston, but I, I just think that, you know, because I started thinking about LeBron LeBron's career and somebody brought up a stat, you know, if uh I think when he's healthy the last two years is that he's like 107 and one when leading when they're leading in the uh going into the fourth quarter and this year i think they're like 56 57 and oh when they're leading going into the fourth quarter and i was just i started thinking like man that is that is an incredible stat for us in general when you play so many games and we know teams going into the fourth quarter you know they lose the lead but for some reason he knows how to manage and take and take possession, not take possession though, but he can control the tempo, control the game. He is probably the best I've ever seen at being able to control a game the way he has for, you know, that amount of years. So when you think about his career, we're not talking about the greatest basketball player, because I still think that's that's a toss-up for me. I really Kareem, his stats unbelievable. And then you have uh, you know, MJ, of course. So it, it's it's hard just to put anybody over those two guys, but but the longest, most effective career definitely has to go down to LeBron. So if I mean, AD was in New Orleans for a while, he made the playoffs and, and lost to the Warriors the first time. Game three, they should have should have beat Golden State that first game in New Orleans, but you know, right. They, then they made it to the second round one year. I think they swept Portland and made it to the second round. 
All right. Those New Orleans teams that AD took to the playoffs versus this Lakers team without LeBron, and which which team would be the better supporting cast for AD? Um, I mean, I I have to give like I I really do like Drew Holiday, and yeah. I think he's such an underrated player. You know that sometimes we look at him and say, "Wow, you know he he gets numbers, but is he a leader? Does he make a team better?" Um, I, I think the supporting cast with the Pelicans will be better. I, I like the pieces that they have in in LA, but when you think about Kuzma, Caruso, uh, I'm not. I can't even. I can't even throw Rondo in there. But you know, even even um, you know, like I think when they added, they added a couple guards. Um, I'm trying to think of who they added. They added uh, from Miami. I can't think of his name right now. But just the players who they've added, you know you know, those guys are not playing. So, like, a J.R. Smith is a guy that, you know, he's not the same player he was years ago. And other than that, I mean, I really, you know, Dwight Howard's at the end of his career. So, he had – I think he had a better supporting cast. But when you think about how great LeBron is and, and just how he has elevated every team he's played with, and when he leaves that organization, like, they're not the same anymore. You know, so that's, that's the LeBron effect that I think – they were talking about, like, two guys a day, like two guys being the godfather. Like, Pat Riley's the godfather. And then you got you to gotta kind of put LeBron up, up there, too, because what LeBron learned from him is is that you got to put great players on the court with him. And once we do that, he'll take care of the rest. He'll figure everything else out. So I think that's where him and Pat Riley are so similar because they think the same. And when you can have someone thinking like a Pat Riley, I mean – and we know he, he's the godfather for a reason. He's the godfather because he knows how to assemble really good players together and get those guys to buy in. And I think that's what LeBron learned from him is that, hey, you know what? If I'm ever going to have that kind of success, I have to have a different mindset. I think he learned a lot in Cleveland when he didn't get a chance to win championships. And those were wasted years in his mind. You know, you're talking about wasting seven or eight years with the organization that wasn't – not to say they wasn't – working behind door, closed door to help him try to bring a team. But Cleveland is going to be a hard, hard place to attract free agents. Like there's certain cities that are hard to attract free agents. And Miami is not one of those cities and LA is not one of those cities. That's true. Talk about Riley, man. He, he's been to the finals in six different decades as a player, coach, front office, whatever you, whatever role, six decades been to the finals. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Like I said, man, he is the godfather for a reason. (laughs) Absolutely. You mentioned Rondo, and this leads me right to what what Scottie Pippen said the other day. I don't have an exact quote, but he he basically was saying that the NBA bubble isn't real NBA basketball. He said there's no travel, there's no grind, (laughs) distractions. He said, look at Rondo. He's shooting fifty percent from three in the bubble, and he's 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 just not that kind of shooter. So is Scotty just hate him or is he got him? <laughs> hey man, uh, uh, hey, hey, some of it's hate, but some of it's truth too. Because because guys have been shooting a lot better. When, when you can, it's like playing in the same arena and not having to travel against you know the travel, the hostile crowds, um, you know the effect of not really being that comfortable playing on somebody else's court, it does make a difference. I'm not going to lie to you. So on, on, on one front, I do agree with Scotty. 
But on the other front, you know, I think Rondo is a professional, and he has figured out, you know, the shot, the, the right shot to take. There's good threes and bad threes. And as long as you know what the good threes are, I, I think, you know, that keeps your percentage up. You know, I, I tell kids this all the time is that, you know, shoot the shot that you know you can make. And when you're open, just take the – don't hesitate. Just take the shot. And what he hasn't been doing, I think, in the past what he's done, he's hesitated because every time somebody's guarding him, you know, if they were to see him at three-point line, they just stop short. So he's hesitating to think, okay, I'm going to drive by him, but they're not closing out to him. So he's just catching it now in rhythm, not hesitating, and he's making shots. But his experience, that's the one thing that you can't teach. And when he comes in in the fourth quarter, he knows how to get everybody involved, but also he knows, you know, time and score kind of like LeBron. You know, those guys are – you know, when I, when I think about, like, some of the smartest players who have the, the best basketball IQ and know, know the angles, uh, know exactly where players are at, know when they need to score, know they need to get the basket, know the foul trouble, know the other team set. Those are the two guys that really are students of the game. And, and those are certain things you can't teach. You've really got to have a, a love for basketball. And I think that's what so many people in this game don't have. He's a basketball <laughs> Both of the story franchises, the Celtics and the Lakers, they close this out. Um, that's kind of unique in itself, too. If Rondo gets a ring with Boston and LA, yeah, and he might be the he might be one of the first the first players that ever done that. You know, go from the East to the West and two story franchises and win a championship. You know, it, it's almost like he doesn't look right as a Laker when you when you won that Celtic green and then you go and turn into that Laker goal, it's just not the same. You know what I'm saying? But um, I, I think when Rondo, when he signed there as a free agent, you know, he wasn't looking at it as, okay, hey, I'm, I'm just prolonging my career. It's business. You know what I'm saying? So you can have love for a certain organization or franchise. You know, it, like I said, it would look different if it hadn't been the late great Kobe going to play for Boston or Larry Bird going and play for play for the Lakers, a Magic Johnson, you know, Kareem. There, there's certain players, because of who they were, their robbery, and, you know, they just wouldn't look right in that, in that uniform, you know. But I think Rondo, because, you know, he's had, you know, a couple stops, you know, it doesn't look as bad because he spent his years in Boston, but also, you know, with Chicago, the Pelicans, you know, he was able to move around a little bit and then get to the Lakers. And before we know it, you know, it's like, dang, you know, Rondo did win a championship with the uh, Boston Celtics. I think sometimes we forget that, you know, but it's been a while because, like I say, we have seen him on other teams, and plus he's been uh, the last three or four years, he's just been injured. He's been, he's been battling injuries. That's true. That's true. We already took our Kentucky football medicine. You know, I, I was getting – I got a text from one Tony Delk earlier in the week about my Cowboys. Let me go and get that out here. So, you know, we, we – <laughs> Struggling. The only, the only win they got is that miraculous comeback against the Falcons. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So, I mean, <laughs> Cleveland went in there and just did work. The Browns. Oh, you know what, man? I mean, if, 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 there were a few plays where, I, I mean, the defense just didn't hustle. They just didn't – they had given up. But when you give up that many points to the Cleveland – and we know Cleveland Browns, you know, they do have some offensive firepower. But at the end of the day, Come on now. They still are the Cleveland Browns. And supposedly, your team, 
I don't know why they keep calling themselves America's team because they're not America's team, not my team. I don't think so. But America's team, supposedly, uh, was looking to get that victory. And right now, the only thing that's going to be on, and I said this, we talked about this earlier, the only saving grace they have is that they're in a weak division, you know, where the Giants are struggling, the skin, uh, Washington is, is struggling, and then you have uh, the Eagles. So, really, it's, it's a winnable division that you stated – you can go – you can win seven games and probably still win a division. So, the season's not over with. Uh, I just think right now their defense has been so bad. And when you have such a bad defense, you know, how can you correct that? But the only way you really can correct is start getting wins. And, and the schedule is going to get easier. So, they do have, I want to say, from this point on, I think the easiest schedule of any other team. So, that's going to play in your favor. They had to go – so far back to find stats on how bad this defense is being. Like in a three-game stretch, they had to go back to 1960, which was the first, Good Lord. <laughs> first season expansion year to find defensive numbers this bad. So that's pitiful. <laughs> what a way to celebrate your 60th anniversary as a team is to, to be as bad as you were now as, as you were then. So <laughs> Well, you know what? It's kind of like when, when, they, when they got Lamb, I think they – you know, somebody was thinking offense, you know, and they wasn't thinking clearly about defense. Because I, I think when you have – and sometimes I don't think I don't think Dak gets enough credit for, you know, being a uh, – you know, he's not a Brett – he's not like a uh, – definitely not a Brett Favre, you know, not an Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, not a Russell Wilson. But, I mean, he's a solid quarterback, you know. And, and if you give him the right pieces, I think he can be successful, you know. But – most of it is that he can't play defense. So he can put up all the numbers. You can have the four, three or four games, over 450 passes. But if you can't stop nobody, those to me, as they call it, wasted calories, those stats don't even matter to me right now. You know, you're talking about, okay, if, if I'm going in for negotiation, he can go in and negotiate a contract based on stats. And, you know, so it's not going to be based on wins. And if you are the owner of Jerry Jones and say, hey, well, you didn't really lead us to too many victories. So, as you said earlier, do you, you throw the defense on the bus? Like, man, hey, 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 I don't play defense. So, what do you want me to do? I, I can't play both sides of the ball. So, at that point, if you're negotiating the contract, you got to talk about what you did on the offensive side. You can't even discuss what the defense do, uh, has done because, to me, he paid the defense before he thought about paying Dak Prescott. So, we have a lot – y'all have a lot of players that I'm not going to say overpaid because I think everybody earns their money. But, you know, he put so much money into other guys. And you know what? He didn't trust his quarterback. So uh, you, you get – you reap what you sow. Yeah, for sure. I went and found an episode of the Believe in Cowboys podcast, Paul Catalina and former Cowboy Orlando Skandrick on there. Hey, and them dudes keep it real. I would just say that. So I agree with <laughs> everything they said. <laughs> You know, I, I I tell you another another form of cowboy that keeps it real, real Troy Aikman. Yeah, Troy, Troy Aikman does, does not sugarcoat anything that goes on with the Cowboys. You know, and that's the one thing I think when you think when you look at a player like him, is that you have to respect him. You know, you have to respect when someone is honest and you know about his former team because it, it will be the same how I feel about Kentucky if, if Kentucky basketball and even football to that fact. If you're not getting the job done. You know, I don't think you need to be one of those commentators or, you know, someone that's, that's going to speak on the team and always have to talk positive. I mean, there are some negative 
that take place and go on. But most for the most part, I think it's just being honest with your with your viewers. You know, say, hey man, we got a lot of work to do, and if we don't if we don't hire the right people, uh, we don't fire. Because someone someone once said this, A B, you be slow to hire and quick to fire. I know you've heard that saying before. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Jerry Jones, I don't know if he's gonna be quick to fire, <laughs> but you know, you gotta make a decision here at some point in time. Because if, if, you know, and like I said, I know they're not going to lose to the Giants. There's no way they can lose to the Giants unless they brought back Strahan, a, a young a young Manning. Uh, you know, there's a few players they would have to bring back in order to win that game. Uh, Lawrence Taylor, I mean, we can go down the line. Yeah. Carl Banks yeah. uh, and Bill Parcello on the sideline. Right. That's the only way they probably can win this game. Now, in saying all that, we don't know which Dallas team will show up. Because it seemed like, seem like your boy uh, – this Giants offense like still more. Oh, 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 hey, 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 it seemed like Zeke, man. <laughs> hey, 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 Zeke, Zeke can't get out the backfield, man. And Zeke, Zeke fumbled the ball like, like every I heard like every thirty snaps, like Zeke, every thirty rushes is, is a fumble by Zeke, man. Zeke, Zeke got that money, and mm. Zeke has been eating well. <laughs> he got too much money, man. Cause when you got that much money, you, when you got that much money, you can't run as fast. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like having money bags. Opposed to having like dollar bills in your pocket, like having like you have he had he went from having a wallet to having money bags. You know, when you got money bags, you can't really move that fast. So when you got your wallet, you kind of quick with your wallet. Uh, but not my man Zeke, man. Zeke is uh, Zeke can't hit them holes no more, man. When he hit them holes, man, it's like uh, the defense converts so fast. I'm like, man, is, has Zeke got slower, or, or what has happened? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's it. Valid points. I got to switch it up real quick to the NBA again because you know, we talked about the coaching changes and, and different coaches getting hired and, and, and thoughts on some guys who've gotten jobs. And you talked about, you know, what's Tom Thibodeau doing getting all these jobs? Then you research him and he's paid his dues. Well, this is my question. And, you know, we, we saw, you know, the Clippers part ways with Doc and, and things of that nature. This guy, and you, you talked about how guards – seem to have a better understanding of the game. When I asked you about Patrick Ewing, you said that. So this guy has been on the bench for several years, played the game as a guard for a long time. I think you hear his name getting called, but so far, no, not a head coach yet. I'm talking about Sam Cassell. Is it time for Sam to become a head coach? Has he paid his dues, in your opinion, and, and done enough to to be elevated to a head coach somewhere? Well, there's two people. There's Sam Cassell and also a good friend of mine, Darvin Ham, who's also paid his dues with Mike Budenholzer here in Atlanta, uh, also with the Milwaukee Bucks. I know he's uh, interviewing for – he's interviewed for the Indiana Pacers, also is interviewing for the L.A. Clippers job. Uh, but just another really good candidate that knows the game. He's been around the game, uh, similar to Sam Cassell, who's won you know a couple championships with the uh, Houston Rockets. And, you know, I, I think it's time for some new blood out there. You know, I think these guys who are interviewing, somebody has to take the take the risk, hire them, and give them a chance, you know, because um, that, that's, what, that's what this game is about. You know, all these great coaches, somebody had to hire them. You know, no one came as, uh, as a champion, you know, from your first job. So, you know, with that being said, I, I still think like a Sam Cassell, uh, Darvin Ham are good young talents. Uh, and guys who've been around the game, you know, like you can't you can't take that from them, and you know they have paid their dues. So I'm waiting on, you know, the Clippers seem like they might they might go uh, Ty Lue, and um, 
you know, OKC, I don't know what they're going to do. The Pacers, we don't know. Houston, uh, Houston Rockets, we don't know. And, you know, so there are some jobs available. And it's going to be interesting to see who they hire in those positions. And I just think, like I said, with Sam Cassell, Darvin Ham, and, you know, there, there are some other former players who I think can do good jobs. And, you know, really, you just got to be given a chance. You know, you, you can't. You can't know how successful someone's going to be if you never give them a chance. And I think those are guys who have definitely, like you said, paid their dues. And it's about time for someone to say, hey, you know what? I'm about to hire – I'm going to hire Sam Cassell. I'm going to hire a, a Darvin Hammond. And even to that point, you know, Becky Hammonds. I mean, Becky has, has, has been paying her dues. You know, she's a, a, a lady coach who at some point in time, you know, she's going to be – she might be the first female NBA coach and it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be history. But, you know, she's someone that was successful as a player. But when you go to the San Antonio Spurs, you know, she's learned so much from Popovich and uh, R.C. Buford and just that whole organization is that that whole organization prepares you and gets you ready to run a, run a team, run an organization. And when you have people in place like that, you want to definitely, you know, hire them and, and, and trust what they're going to do. You know, not just give them that bogus, okay, we're going to give you two years and, you know, it's a team option. Okay, let's invest three or four years. Let's make them feel comfortable because when you give me four or five years, you give me time to build my, to build my program, but also it lets me know that you trust me, like, like you're going to give me a chance. But when you give me like two years and the third year might be the team option, man, come on. It, it, it's too much pressure to go and play for a bad to, – to coach a bad team thinking you're going to be successful with not having superstars. Impossible. Yeah, yeah, that's a, a rock in a hard place when you're in that situation for sure. But we talked about well, Kentucky fans. We know the history with the recruitment of Malik Monk from Arkansas, and when he decided to come to Kentucky, the Arkansas fans, you know, got all salty, got in their feelings, and you know, gave him <laughs> messing with him. Same thing with, with Tyler Hero when he decommitted from Wisconsin. Wisconsin, it's like, like, like they talk to their nose up there. Wisconsin, and decided to come to Kentucky. The Wisconsin fans were on him. Now, there wasn't social media back in, in, in your time. coming, from <laughs> But were the, were the Memphis and the Tennessee fans, uh, you know, some type of way in their feelings when you decided to come to Kentucky? I think so. I, I think it was really – it would have been – it may, it might have been Memphis because we were so close to them, and I w- had started to build a relationship with uh, Penny's first cousin, LaMarcus Golden, one of those one – the, the, one of the best point guards I've ever played with, you know. And I'm putting him up there with Jason Kidd and Steve Nash, one of those guys that made the game easy for all parties involved. And, uh, you know, we had talked about maybe going to the same school, but – you know, during that time, it would have been, it, it, like I said, it wasn't a tough, tough decision because I had my mind set on uh, leaving the state of Tennessee and, you know, kind of going and being on my own. And, and, you know, but I think also, you know, we've had so many podcasts that, you know, Billy Donovan just made me feel comfortable, you know, making that, making that trip to Lexington and knowing that, you know, I was going to be in great hands and, and just have a future plan that was something that was going to benefit me in the long run. So a lot of times, you know, when you leave your home state, you know, it's, it's always like, you know, what could I have done to make my home state or home, home university better? But also you got to look out for yourself. You know, I think you, you, you can't get caught up in so, so, what, what so many people and fans and friends and, 
and people having emotions when it comes down to your decision. Because at the end of the day, it's your life, your career, and you have to feel like, okay, if, if it's better for me at home, but sometimes leaving home, uh, there's not as much pressure. It's a lot of pressure when you've been successful in your home state, and then you got to go play for the, the state university. And sometimes, you know, every, everybody don't want that pressure. Some people, you know, some people are, are, are better suited out of state, you know, where now they don't have to worry about their family traveling as much because now mom and dad can't go to every game. And I think when you've had – what's so interesting about the generation now is is the parents have been probably going to games since the kids were five or six years old. So you'll see a lot of kids probably want to get away from home, you know, and, and want to say, hey, you know what, I want to grow up and mature and be away from you. You know, so you can – you can sometimes, being a parent, you can be too overbearing to the point where if you have a really talented son or daughter, that son or daughter probably is want to, probably want to get away from you because I'm sure you've coached them, you've been a referee, um, you know, you think you know how to play the game, and you get tired of hearing that person's voice. I can, I, can, I can honestly say that I have a few kids, and I know when their parents come to the gym, I, can, I see the look in their face like, Mama, Daddy, will you please be quiet over there? <laughs> yeah. 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 So had to, to get a little breathing room, I guess that, that would, would make a difference. Let you, let you kind of relax a little bit, for sure. Right, right. Man, this is the last question I got for tonight, though. And like Tony said, we, we've been doing this podcast thing for a little bit. We got some episodes in the archive. So for y'all first-time listeners, second-time listeners, Go back and check them out if you get time. You know what I mean? And then you can, when we reference something from a few episodes back, you know what we're talking about. Jump in there and when you got some free time and, and get some of our old episodes and uh, you'll enjoy them as well. But you talked about the day that you beat your brother, Leslie, for the first time. You hit that shot that touched the clouds and it came down and went straight through the nets. You said you ran through the neighbor's backyard to get to your house. Tell Mama Delk that you finally beat Les. And you said she looked at you like, Ann, like, why, why are you telling me this? <laughs> hey, man, you, hey, hey, you have one of, like I said, I, I had a cool, my, my mom became real, I mean, we became cooler when I, when I made it to the NBA. But I think it, it was, you know, as a mom, she had to keep me humble, you know, because I think when you start hearing all the buzz about how good your son is, your son is this, is that, the, the, the people in the house, mom and dad, is the person that can keep, keep kids humble. And I think just having that kind of mom, you know, kept me not only stable, but, you know, it just made me work even harder. You know, I'm like, dang, man, my mom, she hear about me, but my mom ain't praising me. She don't say nothing how good I am, you know. So that kept me grinding. And I think that's, that, that's something that, you know, so many parents want to praise their kids all the time. But when you don't get – sometimes you don't get that praise you're seeking that praise, but you know, I was seeking it, but not in a bad way. You know, not that I was going, I was going out being rebellious. You know, it, it was a, it was a praise that I wasn't receiving, but it made me work even harder, you know, cause I'm like, man, my mom, I'll make, I'll make my mom proud one of these days. And, and like I said, you know, before it was kind of the reason why when I thought about going to Kentucky was that it was a school that had a lot of televised games and my parents would get a chance to see me finally play basketball. And I, I was more excited about, you know, being in a position to finally be on TV and then to allow them to be able to see me play in person. And, you know, then you, you make, 
you make your own opinion about, you know, how, how good your son is, how you feel about me. But, you know, during those times, you know, my brothers really pushed me and, and they really, you know, stayed on me about just working on my game and, and being a me someone who loves basketball. I think I never got away from it. So when you say that it was kind of hard for you to impress her and she was impressed when you beat Les, you also say that it's hard to impress you. So do you think you got that honest from your mom? Oh, I know I did, you know, without, without a doubt. You know, that's the one, the one trait characteristic that I have from her is that, you know, it is hard, but, you know, when, when somebody does something good, you know, I, I can't sit back and say, you know, I'm not going to be a Scottie Pippen to, uh, to a run, though. <laughs> Ain't gonna be, I'm not going to be that kind of hater. But, um, you know, I, I, I tell kids, you know, and I'm really tough on them, but, you know, as tough, tough on them as I am, I also, you know, praise them when they do things good, you know, because I, I just really want them to understand and have a, a, a basketball IQ to be focused and listen. And that's the one thing I think that really helped helped me in my game and just becoming a better individual is that I listen to what people have to say. I think kids now are so worried about when you ask them a question, they just worried about the answer. Like, like how can I answer this? Instead of listening, processing information, and then, re- then ready to, you know, to, to give your answer back. But, you know, with me, I always listen because it, it was an opportunity for me to learn something that I didn't know. And people say when you're talking, you're not learning. But when you're listening, you are learning. And when you can put the two of them together and understand how important it is to do both um, when the time is, is there, you know, you figure out life is not as complicated as we try to make it. You know, it's a beautiful life if you learn how to live it and, and, and definitely have the right circle of people around you. And I think that was important as I was growing up too, going back to Brownsville, was that having a good core of friends, friends that didn't drink or smoke, uh, that never was an influence on me or – you know, guys that held me accountable. So, you know, as we end our episode, you know, that's the one thing I would tell, you know, young kids is that, you know, you can't, you can't choose your family, but you can choose your friends. And you better choose your friends wild because when something occurs, you with your friend, if it's something major and it's something that could cost you, you know, some jail time or get you suspended from school, you got to make good decisions. So I made good decisions early. And the friends I had as uh, um, that I had in elementary, middle school, and high school, college are still some of my friends to this day. So, you know, I, I think I did a, a good job in choosing right friends. And also my, my mom was not going to let anybody come to my house anyway. So it didn't matter. That's right. That's right. And it was, you might have hated it at the time, but grateful for it now. Yes, absolutely. Yes, sir. Well, man, TD, we, we done crammed a bunch in here. I, I got my cowboy shade. We talked fine. <laughs> Uh, we got to, you know, hoping for a UK bounce back against Mississippi State. Let's hope so, man. Let's yeah. hope so. Let's keep that. Hey, let's keep our fingers crossed. That's right. We don't. We don't need to have no zero and three. We need to get the one and two and, and turn it around a little bit, man. There you go, man. We need to be like uh, when you get that win, like the Cowboys. That one win they got. They, they, they one one only and only win they got. We need one of those. Come on, come on, cats. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Hey, man. Enjoy the rest of the night. Enjoy. The- Probably the last NBA game of the season tomorrow, and have a good yes. rest of the man. <laughs> okay, bro. Take care. All right, you too. For Tony Depp, this is Benny Hardy. Subscribe, rate, and review another episode of Believe in Kentucky. We'll catch y'all again next week.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.